Good morning, happy Lord's Day. You know, we, we started a, a new series uh, in the book of Jonah, uh, and uh, we are now on chapter 2. Uh, but before that, let me just confess a little area of uh, where I require a lot of sanctification, and that is in the area of uh, social media use. I, I don't want to look at the number of hours anymore that I look at the screen of my phone or my devices, but yeah, I, I need some help in that area. Uh, and so this week, I had an opportunity to not look at my phone uh, too much. So for about 24 hours, uh, I really had very little use of social media. But uh, when I got the chance to, uh, to look at uh, my phone and social media, I was really surprised at what's going on with the trending with Joy Spring and, and, and all of that. So I was really, whoa, well, the isang araw lang akong nawala. <laughs> Ganito na yung, ano, yung mga, uh, mga nangyayari. And, and a lot of people, uh, whether uh, they're non-Christian and even professing Christians, have given their thoughts uh, on, on the matter. Uh, some have been offended or taken aback. Uh, by her claims, and that's not surprising uh, to, to non-Christians because, like I said, the gospel is expensive. But uh, it saddens me that even professing Christians would be offended by what she said and, and what her claims are. And then there are those who uh, became uh, uh, hashtag warriors for Joyce. <laughs> Uh, who affirmed and showed support in, in her claims and, and said, you know, she's really just speaking the, the truths of the Bible. Um, I loosely follow uh, her career even before she became, a, you know, an influencer. Uh, you know, back when she was just a, a radio DJ. I'm not a big fan. I just, you know, I just enjoy certain, you know, we just have similar preferences, so... I, I, you, I am familiar with her career, but I don't re necessarily follow her. So I could say that if that conversation, that trending conversation happened about 10 years ago, she would have said something different. She would have skipped or, uh, you know, yung topic. But, but the fact that you know, the Lord has molded her heart, and you can say that the Lord really has prepared her heart for that moment and even her response after uh, the backlash. And I could say that's what happened to Jonah too. And providentially, that's what, we're, uh, that's what we're going through uh, this series, you know, talking about missions and evangelism. You know, think about it. If you really think about what's going on in, in this book, God in his sovereignty could have selected a prophet that's nearby, right? God could even have raised a prophet that's native to Nineveh. He could do that. He's the sovereign God. He could have prepared someone that's nearby or a native of Nineveh. He could even have called at the very least a messenger that will say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, amen. But why would God commission someone like Jonah knowing, knowing that he will run away? 
I mean, if we believe of uh, if we believe in God's sovereignty and uh, being all-knowing, He knew that Jonah would run away, right? So why would even God commission this guy? My guess is, my guess uh, is because it is precisely because Jonah would run away that God called him. Because if you notice, through the book of Jonah, it's more about him than about Nineveh. There's in the story, the Lord is dealing more with Jonah than with Nineveh. Because as much as God is concerned with the city of Nineveh, he is also concerned with Jonah too. So this commission experience uh, with Jonah is not just for the people of Nineveh, but for him to understand the grace of God because the gospel messenger needs the gospel too. And that's our, our, our topic today, the, the, topic of, uh, the title of this sermon. And if you have one takeaway from Jonah chapter 2, it's this, that the good news of Jesus is not just for our unbelieving friends. That as we think about them, as we think about our unbelieving friends and relatives or co-workers, when we uh, aspire to share the gospel with them, the Lord is also using the gospel to shape our hearts, transforming our hearts to prepare us to be an effective gospel messenger and to, for us to be a fruitful gospel messenger. So, and the, the more we understand this, the more faithful we become in our evangelism. And let's allow uh, Jonah's testimony to affirm this for us. And you will notice chapter 2 of, of this short book uh, reads like a psalm. Diba? Hindi siya narrative. Hindi siya judgment ni God, which is you know, typical of a, a prophetic book. It's, it's a prayer. So what we see here, you know, from the story uh, of the book of Jonah, we, from zooming out, we zoom in what's going on inside the belly of the fish and inside the heart of this man. So you will notice the story slows down and focuses on what's happening inside his heart, inside his mind, uh, inside the belly of the fish. So what can uh, Jonah's prayer uh, in this uh, chapter teach us about preparing our hearts uh, for bringing the gospel message to others as well? So let me share three things, and that's splashed on screen. Uh, our keywords: if you want to teach this to your children, guilt, Grace, gratitude. So those are three things that the Lord is molding in our hearts so that we will be able to articulate and experience the gospel uh, and, and share it to others as well. So number one, we need a heart that recognizes our guilt. Verse one says, from the inside, the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And this is the first time in this narrative that this prophet prayed. Think about that. This is the first time that his prophet has prayed, and this is his prayer. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. 
You hurled me into the depths and into the very heart of the sea, and the currents swirled about me, and the waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, and the, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. You know, Jonah was describing, like he's writing a, a journal, he's writing, you know, his, the, the difficulty of his situation. He, and he was at the mercy of the sea. He was completely out of control. He is at the mercy of the waves, the current, and even the seaweed. He's not in control. At any point, he could, go, he could uh, drown. The waves can take, him, uh, can take him to the rocks and smash his body there. The seaweeds can choke him to death. And if you are thrown, we remember in Jonah chapter 1, he's thrown into the sea. And even just there, the moment that he's thrown, he could easily drown or you know, a shark could, could kill him. <laughs> that easy. So for Jonah, yung drowning or, or being in distress is not a, you know, a figurative experience. It's a literal one. This is a literal miserable life. And for us, this is the kind of misery that we sometimes see ourselves in. When we feel our sense of helplessness, our sense of hopelessness, uh, and, and that has, has been heightened, obviously, uh, in the past couple of years. We are so uh, hopeless and, and helpless. We don't know what to do when the whole world shut down. It feels like, it feels like, um, you know, it feels like you're, you're drowning. And for those who, uh, you know, who had experienced the, the extreme kind of COVID, they would describe the experience to be something like drowning. You know, you're, you're catching breath and stuff like that. How many of you have, uh, you know, uh, 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 experienced drowning, like literal drowning? All right. I've, had exper I've experienced that twice in my life. One, you know, very recently, I will not uh, explain the details anymore, uh, but uh, to summarize, it's, it's Julie's fault. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've experienced a, a drowning twice. And, 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 and you know that when, you're, when, you're, when you experience um, a near-death experience like that, you know that you're not in control of anything anymore. And this image of drowning is really common uh, in the Bible. That's why the sea, the ocean, the depths is always synonymous to, to dying, to, to hell, uh, to being under distress. Yun yung language nila for, for such kind of experience. And here's one example. Uh, in, in, in Psalm 69, the psalmist says, Save me, O God, for the flood waters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. 
I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. You know, there's, there's really no evidence indicating uh, that, the, that David, um, the writer of this psalm, was literally drowning. But whatever it is that he is going through, it feels the same thing. He continues with verse 3. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Have you experienced the same thing? Your throat is parched. You're crying for help. Your eyes are swollen with crying. You're waiting for your God to help you. But in this psalm, in verse 5, look at this confession. O oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. You know, friends, this is the cause of our misery. This is the cause of our guilt. This is the cause of our sense of drowning. That we are sinful people. That we are miserable. That we are guilty. And without recognizing our guilt and our misery, just like what uh, Jonah did, just what like Psalm, uh, Psalm 69 and David uh, confess, without recognizing our guilt and our misery, our gospel presentation will be conceited and condescending. There's this uh, religious writer named uh, G.K. Chesterton. Um, I think 19th century. Uh, during his time, the newspaper uh, presented an article uh, with a one-liner. Uh, what is wrong with the world? What is wrong with the world? And it invited people to make some, uh, some comments and insight for what they think is wrong with the world. And this guy, G.K. Chesterton, wrote back to the editor and said, Dear Sir, I am. Dear Sir, I am. You know, we need to own up to the fact that the reason why we have a miserable state is because we are miserable people. That we are part of the problem. We need to recognize our misery in the presence of the Lord. We need to confess our sins. We need to humble ourselves and say, you know, Lord, I have made a mess of my life. I need your help. That the gospel messenger is no better than the one that he's going to. And when we approach our calling as gospel messengers, whether you're a, you know, a minister, a, a lay leader, you think you're just a mere parent or a student or a housewife, when we approach our call to bring the gospel to wherever God has called us in humility, recognizing our misery apart from God, then the people around us, the people we were reaching out to, knows that we are on the same boat. Knows that we are, you know, that we are not better than them. And when we have that kind of mindset, we shift our focus from us to the one who can truly save us. 
That's why when someone tells you, why should I believe you? I know your past. You know, I, have, uh, I used to work for a number of years here in Makati. They, they are fully aware of my past. And when they tell me, you know, bro, why should I believe you? We were in these places together. <laughs> I would say, absolutely. That's why we need help. Because I'm also miserable apart from God. That's why I need Jesus. And through that, we shift the focus from, from us to the one who can truly save us. Because we do not stop at just recognizing our misery. We also need to remember our rescue. We need to remember the grace that we have received. And the good news is that in our text, we find that our help is in the Lord. Again, verse 2 uh, in Jonah's prayer says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. So aside from us recognizing uh, our guilt, we also need a heart that remembers God's grace. Look at verse 6 in, in this prayer. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down, the earth beneath, uh, the earth beneath barred me in forever. And this is a very poetic, but Jonah is simply saying that he has hit rock bottom. He has hit the bottom of the ocean, so to speak. Remember, Jonah was trying to run away from God, right? But now he realized that running away only brought him downwards. He was not really able to escape. It only brought him downwards. And the good news is that even if we hit rock bottom, we are still not too far from the rescuing hands of God. That's why he said, But you, O Lord, my God, brought my life from the pit, meaning from death to life. When my life was ebbing away, when I'm almost out of breath, I remember you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. What's the end? In, in, what's the rescue that uh, Jonah experienced? Verse 10, God spoke to the fish and it vomited up Jonah on the seashore. You know, that's, it's really ironic that you know, God spoke to Jonah and God spoke to the fish but the fish obeyed <laughs> and Jonah disobeyed, right? So ironic. And Jonah was the prophet supposedly. You know, even if you hit rock bottom, nothing can prevent Jesus from rescuing you. Nothing can prevent Jesus from rescuing his people. And, and Apostle Paul understood this very well. Which is why he said in Romans 7, uh, verse 24, 25, you know, in his testimony, he said, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And he says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ our Lord. Oh, brothers and sisters, what is required of us 
so we can faithfully be gospel messengers is a healthy memory of who rescued us, and that's Christ, and how we were rescued. We were rescued from the pit, in, in using the language of Jonah, or from death to life. And we need to have that healthy memory because the problem is that we are very forgetful people. We are very forgetful, forgetful people. We need ways to remember. That's why we gather together week after week. We sing songs about our rescue. We read God's word and it reminds us of the grace we, we receive from God. We pray with and for one another, recognizing that we need help. We do this so we can remember our rescue, so we can remember the grace that we have because of Christ. And so, you know, as, a, as, as a practical uh, application, this is why gathering together is really important. But when gathering together is not about the gospel, we really are wasting our time. If gathering together is all about, you know, good facility, good music, good coffee, and even good fellowship, and it's not about reminding our misery and our grace from God, there's really no point of meeting together. And so, you know, you know, just a sidebar, that's why, you know, we, we recognize that we live in a really uh, fast-paced world. It demands a lot from us uh, at work and, and stuff. You know, I would really encourage you that if you're traveling, if you're traveling and it falls on the Lord's Day, you know, look for, plan your travel looking for a bible based gospel centered church in that area and and worship there if you cannot be with your local church you know go still gather with you know a a a, a bible based gospel centered church if you can't find one uh, you know i can help you or, or or ask around plan that ahead uh, because because we're, it's easy so easy for us to forget that we need reminder week after week after week. You know, the ordinary means that God has provided for us serves as a constant reminder of our redemption. And if Jonah's been rescued, and if we have been rescued from death to life, what would our response be? What would our response be? Now, our response to the rescue, to the grace that we have received is rejoicing. And so, a gospel messenger is not just a one who recognizes his misery, remembers the grace that he has experienced, but also rejoices. He has a heart that is filled with gratitude of this salvation that he received, of the transformation that he experienced. Look at this transformation from Jonah in verse 8. He makes this bold statement. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. 
But I, verse 9, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good, and I will say, salvation belongs to the Lord. You see how very different that statement from his actions one chapter ago. Just one chapter ago, this guy, after hearing the voice of the Lord, tried to escape. Not once did he pray. He would rather be thrown into the sea than follow God. But after spending three days and three nights inside a fish, his heart was changed. There was a reformation, so to speak. From being a running man, he, become a, he becomes a rejoicing man. And that's what the gospel does to us, right? If the people of God will rejoice in our transformation, then the message our children will hear is not the complaints or the concerns of the world. Yes, you know, we will, we will always hear about how things are turning from bad to worse, how, you know, the, uh, the government is falling apart, uh, inf inflation is like this. There are so many things in our world that will tell us there's no reason to rejoice. But a gospel messenger understands his hope in Christ and rejoices nevertheless. You know what rejoicing looks like? It is saying in the midst of all the tragedies, you say, it is well with my soul. And if you look at the backstory of that song, this person is not just saying it, you know, writing it on, you know, in his mind, in his mouth. It, this is by experience. He is saying, despite the tragedy that my family experienced, it is well with my soul. If we do that, if, if, if the children in our midst hear that we are saying, it is well with my soul, then the next generation will look to the future with hope. And that's how, you know, the, the gospel transforms us. That's the unique thing we bring into our communities. This is not blind optimism. We are not just bringing, you know, a, a church planting model, a carefully laid out strategy. What we really bring is good news. It, it's a message that transforms a, a disobedient man into a worshiping man. And so, when, when there's rejoicing in the heart of a gospel messenger, it rounds up your message. You know why? Because you know, in, in communication, you, you, we are taught uh, about the nonverbal cues. If we are telling our friends who do not believe in Jesus that they're going to hell and their hope is in Jesus, but they see that there's no rejoicing in our hearts, they see a disconnect. I hear what you're saying, and that may be true, but there's a disconnect with your life. But even if you have difficulty articulating the gospel, 
but your life says it is well with my soul? When you say my sin not in part but the whole is laid on the cross and I bear it no more, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Even if you cannot articulate the gospel really well, your friends will see the nonverbal cues. They see the rejoicing. They will say there's something different with this person. Maybe the gospel is really true. You know, if, if our church is full of people that humbly recognizes our misery and our guilt, when we look to Jesus and remember constantly his salvation and publicly rejoices about the transformation that we experience through him, we may be able to see gospel renewal in our cities. So again, guilt, grace, gratitude. Pastor, that's, that's difficult to, to take in in just one seating. Uh, is there a way for me to rehearse that throughout my life? You know, the beauty of our church tradition is that we have means to remind us of these three things. In fact, the, our outline, the, the prayer of Jonah uh, is the summary of what Heidelberg Catechism question number two is all about. So let me just review. Huh? Do you know what Heidelberg uh, catechism question number one says, what is our only comfort in life and in death? Maybe Emma knows. <laughs> that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? Mahaba pa yun, but that's the first statement. Ito yung follow-up question dun, follow-up question. What must you know, question number two, what must you know to live and die in the joy of discomfort? And the answer is this. Three things. First, how great my sin and misery are. Second, how I am set free from all my sins and misery. And third, how I am to thank God for such deliverance. Misery, salvation, thanksgiving. Guilt, grace, gratitude. The whole Heidelberg Catechism tells us about the gospel. It shapes our heart. And so if you're looking for something to anchor how the, how the gospel will you know, will shape your heart. This is a practical thing. In fact, the whole Heidelberg, Heidelberg Catechism is outlined like this. After question number one and question number two, uh, the whole section after that is talking about our misery, our guilt. The second part is talking about the salvation that we have in Christ. And the third part is about how we are grateful and how we can demonstrate our thankfulness to the Lord. And I hope that, you know, that shapes our heart towards 
being a faithful gospel messenger. But pastor, I wish I could have a heart like that. But I don't think I'm qualified. How can a heart that's so fragmented, so tainted by sin, so wounded by the past, be used by God to be a messenger of good news? Well, that's true. The condition of our heart is just so bad, so worn out by sin that it cannot function anymore to obey God or be his messenger. That's why the good news is that in Christ, we are given a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, and I will end here. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, this is the promise of God. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your heart, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Friends, if you are unsure that you are a qualified gospel messenger, I would tell you that's true. <laughs> On your own, you're not qualified. But in Christ, who has given you a new heart, a heart that recognizes your own misery and your guilt, a heart that remembers God's grace in your life, and a heart that rejoices in this salvation and is grateful for Christ, you can be a faithful gospel messenger. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that as we explore the, the experience of Jonah being your messenger, we, we are confronted by our own hearts, our own reluctance, our own hesitation, even our own guilt. Lord, as we always check our hearts when we reach out our communities, when we bring the gospel into wherever you have called us. Lord, remind us that you are also at work in our hearts, not just with our friends. Keep us grounded, Lord God, by the misery that we are in. Help us recognize where we are apart from you. Lord, but comfort us in the grace that we have received. And let it be shown in how we rejoice even through difficult times. Let our friends see that we walk the talk. Let our relatives see how we rejoice even in suffering. Let our friends and relatives and co-workers see that we don't just speak the gospel, we live it out. And Lord, we cannot do this if you, can, if you do not change our hearts. And so I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that you will transform our hearts, that you will give us a new heart and a new spirit that obeys you, that longs for you, that delights in you, that adores you, and that says yes to you for your glory's sake and for our good. In Christ's name, amen.